Good morning. Isn't it a beautiful day? The blessed day. Blessed day. If you're visiting with us, we're so grateful for your presence. There's a little card in, in front of you there on the back of the pew and a pencil. And if you wouldn't mind getting that and filling that out. And then on your way out, you can drop it in that uh, little boxes there on the back tables or give it to me or one of the men, okay? We'd really appreciate if you would do that for us. Um, if you're visiting, you may be uh, feeling awkward because I always do when I go someplace I don't know a lot of people. But we want you to feel at home here. This is a group of blessed people, real simple people, but we have an important mission, uh, being the hands and feet of Jesus here on earth. And so we'd like for you to be a part of this mission with us, God's purpose for us. And uh, God would like for you to be a part of this congregation as well. If we can help you in any way, if you'd like to study the Bible, answer your questions, uh, we'd be happy to do that. And we'd, here, after a few minutes, we're going to be standing singing a song of encouragement. And uh, the song is called, I've Decided to Follow Jesus. And if you're not a Christian and you have made the decision, I want to follow Jesus, that's a great time to come forward and let us know and we'll help you uh, come into Christ, okay? I have a special guest visiting with me today, Paul Blackard. He's, uh, we're good friends for several months now. We play racquetball twice a week together and uh, he's a, been a blessing in my life. And Mike Piercy worked with him for about 20 years, isn't that right? So I guess uh, we'll forgive you for that. So, <laughs> But uh, I have a, we have a special guest here today. I want to call up Wyatt Fairman here up front. If you'll come here and I want to ask him a few questions and I want to pray for him. This is his first Sunday with us as our new Highland Heights summer youth intern. And uh, so I want you to get to know him and I'll, I'll let you stand here in front of this microphone here. Glad to have you here, Wyatt. Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, Wyatt, um, what are you studying at Freed Hardeman? I'm uh, studying, technically on this, in the system it says I'm studying communications and Bible, but I'm kind of dropping the communications major, so just Bible right now. Okay. And uh, what would you like for the congregation to know about you? I guess you have to talk to me and find out. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what would you like, uh, how can the congregation, how can we help you in your ministry here? Just keep doing what you've been doing. You've all been so nice and friendly. And you know, if you're as friendly with one another as you've been with me, I know this is just a blessing of congregation to be, to be with this summer. So thank you. I was in my office here until kind of late last night, and I saw this car out in the parking lot. And just sitting there for a while, and I thought, hmm, this is odd. So uh, I thought, I wonder if I should call the police. And I thought, no. So I went out, you know, I, I, I don't know what time it was. It was kind of late. And so I went out there, and he wasn't in it anymore, but it was, had Freed Hardeman license plates on the back. And I said, no, that's Wyatt's car, so he's here. So. You know, it's funny you say that, because I was visiting a friend, meeting up with him in the parking lot, and I saw this Jeep from a far away, and I thought, man, that's kind of weird having a weird car parked there in the middle of the night of the church is built. Maybe I should call the police. <laughs> well, I'd like to pray for Wyatt. <laughs> Dear Lord, we thank you so much for every blessing you give us. We don't deserve anything, and you give us everything, Father. And above all, you've given us Jesus. 
his sacrifice so that we can have our sins forgiven, so we can be a part of this great family, so we can have our names written in the book of life and have an eternal hope of heaven, Father. Now, Father, we ask that you bless Wyatt. Uh, give him wisdom, Father. Give him physical and emotional and spiritual strength, Father. Help him to be a blessing to this congregation and help us to be a blessing to him, Father. All for your honor and for your glory. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Yes, this morning, uh, I want to read three passages of Scripture. Uh, they're kind of long readings, and typically we don't read a whole lot of, long, a lot of Scripture. We read small verses or small passages, but I want to read these three. And basically, I want us to, to focus on how different ones, and certainly not the only ones, but how different ones would uh, reject Jesus. Uh, you know, you would think, well, why would anybody reject Jesus? You know, we meet every week, several times a week, and we're so proud to be, you know, followers of Jesus. Why would anybody do that? Well, there's a lot of reasons why people rejected Jesus. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse 22. And we're going to ask, try to see why did people want Jesus to go away? Here in this passage of Scripture, first of all, we'll see him uh, coming across the uh, the Sea of Galilee, there's a big storm. Jesus calms the storm, and afterwards they get out, and they run into a man that's possessed by a demon. Now, demon possession, uh, at that time, when God gave us miraculous gifts, uh, it was God gave us the ability to expel demons, and uh, just very directly. And, uh, but today... The Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 that God doesn't allow us to be tempted beyond our ability to resist and with every temptation gives us a way of escape. And so uh, he's curtailed this demon activity, people being possessed against their will. Now you can give your heart and your life over to demonic things so much that you will be in his possession and his power, obviously. But at this time, uh, God permitted certain demons to, to inhabit people but only with the purpose that someone from God would, would expel that to show, in Jesus' case, to show that he is the Son of God, is, is Lord over nature, Lord over demons, the spiritual world, everything. Uh, and then later on, the apostles and other disciples had the power to expel demons to show that what they were teaching was from God. So here in Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 22, the Bible says, One day Jesus got into a boat with his disciples and said to them, Let's go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. Now, people don't realize Jesus got tired too. He was in a human body. And in, at that time, there's no motorboats. They're rowing the boat. It's going slow. It's waving. It's rocking. And he's not needed, obviously, to row. And so he goes to sleep, and that's fine. But a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. And they ceased, and there was calm. There was a calm. Verse 25, and he said to them, Where's your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? Now, the disciples are like us. We only think to pray to God when we've tried to, everything in our power to resolve a crisis or situation. We can't take care of it. Now, now, God, we need your help. We should be praying first and then doing all we can. But Jesus uh, was teaching them, 
uh, showing them that he's Lord over nature. And they're, they're, they still haven't uh, comprehended his identity as of yet. They know he's from God, but they still haven't grasped fully that he is God in the flesh. Now in verse 26, they sailed uh, to the, the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. Now this is about southeast of Galilee, and it's more of a Gentile area. And verse 27, when Jesus had stepped out on the land, there, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. This man is demon-possessed, just uh, living a horrific life. Verse 28, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, what have you do to, do to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Now, obviously, that's the demon speaking through this man. The demons know who Jesus is very, very uh, respectfully and very uh, worshipfully. They, they, they fall down uh, out of uh, fear. And then, then they say, I beg you, do not torment me. They know what's coming for them, the abyss. Haiti, the Hadean world. The Bible teaches us that it was, uh, it's reserved for the devil and his angels. And so, uh, verse 29, For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Can you imagine that? The demons were so powerful that they couldn't chain the guy. They couldn't control him. He would hurt himself and hurt the other people. And, and the whole community was terrorized by this man. Verse 30. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. Legion is about 6,000. We don't know how many demons, but that's what the legion meant, is uh, 6,000. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. They didn't want to go to the Hadean world. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Uh, another passage of Scripture talks about, Jesus talks about when a man was cleaned of an evil spirit and the spirit went out and the man was all cleaned up and, and everything, but then the spirit came back and brought seven demons with him and the man's case was worse than it was before. And so uh, we see demons inhabiting people at, periodically uh, in, at this time of the Bible. So they're asking for permission to go into the pigs and Jesus gives it to them. Verse 33, then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. And we know from the scripture there were about 2,000 of these pigs. It was a pretty big loss for this community and uh, shocking for them. Now, verse 34, when the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Uh, we don't know everything that they told, but Certainly, they're shocked too. They're scared. They're, they're amazed. Uh, they're upset because we've lost pigs. That's pretty, about 2,000 pigs would be a pretty considerable amount of money. Uh, these people are angry. Uh, today, people get angry at God for a lot of things. You know, they blame Him for everything bad that goes happen. Why, where was God when, when my spouse died? Or, or my spouse left me? Or one of my children, uh, you know, was, was deathly sick. And uh, people might have lost a job and, and they blame God. 
And so we'll see here that these people, they come and they want Jesus to leave. They want him to go away. They're, they're upset. They're afraid. And now, um, in verse 35, then the people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They've known this guy for some time. They've been scared to death of him. He's been a, a, just a total mess. And now he's sitting like a normal person. Verse 36, and those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man whom the demons had gone uh, begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. So uh, these people at first most likely had come to arrest Jesus. We heard that you destroyed pigs. They, they drowned and uh, upset. But when they got there and saw the result of the, Jesus' power, uh, they became awfully afraid, perhaps afraid of Jesus himself. You know, this man that we couldn't even bind with chains. We couldn't control him. Now you're stronger than this man in the situation that he's in. So they were afraid. And, and people are afraid of the unknown. A lot of people are afraid of God rather than realizing God loved the world so much that he sent his only begotten son to save us. In verse 17, after that, he says, he sent him not to condemn us, but to save us. We're already condemned. So God wants you to be saved. He wants you to be a part of his family. And so don't be afraid of God, but run to Jesus and, and, and let him be the Lord of your life. So we see then uh, these people were upset. Uh, they were mad. They were confused. And the man that was healed, he was excited. He wanted to be one of the traveling apostles uh, with Jesus. And Jesus said, no, no, go back and tell your people what God has done for you. And that's what our mission is. You know, we may feel, um, I'm trying to think of the word, inadequate uh, to be able to teach others the gospel. But all you have to do is tell people what you did, how it changed your life, what steps, how you believe that Jesus is God in the flesh and, and that you confess that faith and that you confessed that he would be Lord of your life and you made a decision to change, to repent from your sins. And uh, you were baptized and made one with Christ. Your sins were washed away and you received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Just share that with people because God has blessed you so much. And, and tell them about the wonderful spiritual family that you have and how we help one another. Although no one is perfect even after we become a Christians, but we're striving to be like Jesus and we're, we're here to encourage one another. The second passage that I want to read is found in John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Let's start in verse uh, 20, 22, for time's sake. Let's start in verse 22. Jesus is, uh, has fed um, the people, and uh, some people are following him because they see that he has miraculous powers. These are signs from God. Other people are following him because, hey, free lunch. So in verse 22 of John 6, the Bible says, On the next day, 
the crowd remained on the other side of the sea, saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Okay? He's saying, you're not following me because you recognize I'm God in the flesh. I'm come from God. You just want a free lunch. In verse 27, he starts out, with a bunch of teachings that are spiritual in nature, but they're understanding them only in a physical sense, and they're having a hard time accepting these teachings. He says, verse 27, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him God the Father has set His seal. So uh, he's not saying you should quit your job and just sit back and God will take care of you. No, but he said... Put all of your effort, all of your life, all the focus of your life on doing the will of God, feeding on the bread of life. So uh, verse 28, he says, Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly, truly I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Well, it's sort of like the woman at the well in John chapter 4 when Jesus said that he had water, that if you drank of it, you would never thirst again. Jesus is teaching them that he's the bread of life. He gives us life. It's figuratively speaking. He's not physical bread, but he's what we need in order to have eternal life. Now, let's, let's uh, skip over here to... Uh, Verse 60. Verse 60. When many of the disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense of this? Then what, you, then what, if, then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. Verse 65. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Now verse 66, pay attention here. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. These people 
these were hard sayings. This is going to take more than just a casual effort to, to, to follow God. We're going to have to think this through. We're going to have to make some sacrifices. And Jesus is saying, you've got to drink my blood and eat my flesh in order to go to heaven. And it's just, that sounds, we don't like that. Of course, he's not talking in physical terms. He's talking about, you need to consume me. Your life needs to be centered around me. I, Jesus is, is our savior. He's our example. He's the son of God. And so a lot of the people then just decided to abandon Jesus. The others sent him away. These are leaving Jesus. And now the disciples, he asked them in verse 67, so Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And look what Simon says in verse 68. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So uh, this world is, is messed up. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to, to notice that, how messed up everything is. And Jesus has the only answers to our life's questions. He's the only one that can give us purpose, to give us understanding where we came from and why we're here and, and, and where we're going. And so the disciples said, look, Jesus, we can't abandon you. You're the one that has the words to eternal life. Then last of all, turn to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. Beginning at verse 15. Now Jesus had already been arrested, taken into custody. This is before he was crucified. He's, he's at the, in the hands of, of Pilate. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. That was a pretty nice custom. <laughs> if somebody got put in jail unjustly, they had an opportunity to ask for this person. Verse 16, and they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Notorious means he was a nasty character, okay? He was known for how bad he was. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Verse 20. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. Why did the crowd choose Barabbas rather than Jesus? Why did the crowd choose evil rather than godly? It's because they were persuaded by the leaders, the corrupt religious leaders. And, and we have that goes on daily in, in our society, in our world. Today, people in the media want to tell you that, that if you just decide you're a woman, a man can become a woman. Or if a woman decides she wants to be a man, she can become a man just by saying she is. And that's crazy. But there's people that believe it or at least afraid to say they don't believe it because so much social pressure. And so here we have the pressure of, of the religious 
corrupt religious leaders trying to tell the crowd, no, we want Barabbas. Let's crucify Jesus. Verse 21, the governor said, which of the two uh, do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. Well, obviously Jesus was calling everyone to repentance, to live a godly life, submitted to God. But we as, we as human beings, we don't like anyone to tell us what to do. And if we choose Barabbas, we won't have any of those uh, demands upon us, any of those commands. And, uh, you know, us, us guys, we don't like to go to the doctor, right? We don't go to the doctor because we don't like it. But we need to, right? It's, it's not about feelings. It's about what's right, what we should be doing. And so uh, we have today people choosing evil over good, choosing, choosing evil over Jesus uh, because they hear on the media. Uh, and, and we are selfish. Uh, I don't know if, if you've heard any of this, but self-weddings, it's a new thing now. People getting married to themselves. Last week, a 41-year-old Italian woman called Laura Messi put on a white dress and a veil to walk down the aisle. She met only the minister at the end of it with her 70 guests as her witness. Messi was there to marry herself. There were, was a three-tiered cake and dancing and a subsequent solo honeymoon. You can have a fairy tale even without the prince, she told the Italian newspaper. Messi's unconventional ceremony and the professional photos of it that she shared on Facebook drew plenty of media attention, perhaps because she had reportedly become the first woman to ever have such a ceremony in Italy. But Messi is actually just the latest in a growing number of women who have decided to show their eternal love to themselves by putting a ring on it. The concept of self-marriage has gained enough popularity that it has even managed to spawn self-wedding kits from a website called imarriedme.com. The package includes a, a single wedding ring, vows, affirmation cards. But whatever you do, don't start calling these women crazy. We're not some kind of weird, narcissistic women. As far as I know, we each came to this decision on our own. Well, that's just uh, ludicrous, but that shows you how, how individualistic, how we want to make ourselves uh, the Lord of our own lives. And so these people, uh, they chose evil over Jesus. They asked Jesus to go away, they abandoned Jesus, and they chose evil rather than Jesus. Jesus is our only hope. We're going to pray right now, and uh, then afterwards we're going to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. And if you have a need, we'll ask you to come after this prayer. Let's stand and pray. Dear Father in heaven, we pray that you help us never to abandon Jesus, to never send him away, Father, to always have room in our hearts and our lives for him. Allow him to sit uh, on the throne of our, our, our hearts and our lives, Father, and help us to honor and glorify you through everything that we say, think, do, and desire, Father. Bless this church, bless each one of us, Father, and help us never... Uh, to betray your mission, to betray your love. Father, help us to be faithful uh, until Jesus comes. We pray in his name. Amen. Let's sing.